and welcome to NCBI Labs. Very welcome to another of our live events. Well, we're up to live event 33 now, and we've covered an awful lot in our live events so far. Don't forget if you've missed some of our early shows, don't forget that they're available on YouTube and on all the main podcast platforms as well. We've taken on board a suggestion that we had to break down the live events into different segments on YouTube as well. We haven't done them all just yet, but certainly if you're looking for just one of the segments of particularly the early shows at least, you'll find those now on, on YouTube. Now, getting back to today's show, we have a little bit of a, a change to the programme this week. On Meet the Team, first up, we're gonna be chat, chatting to uh, Brian Manning, who you'll know from our live events already, of course. He's gonna be updating us on the virtual tech groups around the country, as well as the Braille group that he mentioned to us last year as well. Speaking of Braille, we'll also be talking about how active Braille is being used in smaller devices, such as watches. We're going to be talking to Aram Choi in Seoul about the Dot Watch. Great little device that's really showing how versatile a Braille device can be. And before that, we'll be talking about a range of smaller devi devices that we wouldn't always think of as necessarily high tech devices as such. Products that address maybe more everyday needs as well. Products that are all available in the NCBI shop and Breda Dowling is going to be talking to us about some of those products that are available in the NCBI shop in just a little while. And of course, later on, we're going to have our usual quick tips section. We're going to have our tech help section as well, where we can answer some of your questions too. If you do have any questions throughout our show, as usual, you can email us at labs at ncbi.ie or you can use the question and answer panel on the right hand side of the screen if you're connecting through Microsoft Teams. So please do let us know if you have any questions throughout the show. First up, though, we have our Meet the Team section. And this week we have a man who needs no introduction. He doesn't need any kind of lead in or warm up act. In fact, he's, he's probably his own warm up act in a manner of speaking. It's Brian Manning. You're very welcome, Brian. Hi, Jude. How are you? Hello to everyone listening today. Good to have you back on the show, Brian. How's life been with you? I'm very good. Yeah, very good. It's um. Again, I mean, I'm just like everyone else, a bit frustrated with the lockdown, but, you know, uh, I've been frustrated as well as it's a totally new me new way of working for, you know, for everyone here on NCB. It's great going out meeting the people and working one-on-one -on -one with people or working with different groups yeah. of, of our service users, running the different clubs and the different training uh, sessions and stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. I, I think maybe there is a light at the end of that tunnel, very long tunnel, but um, so I'm yeah. looking forward to going out and meeting people one-on-one -on -one again and maybe, you know, setting up these groups again and giving a real life focus to some of the, the virtual groups that we've gone, that we've established as we started this whole uh, COVID. Yeah, uh, yeah it's so oh, different, yeah. isn't it? Oh, it's a huge difference, yeah, and it's, it's yeah. great to have the personal touch. And I, again, I think that we have worked very effectively running our labs service throughout the, um, the, the whole lockdown but again though I mean like there, there, there is no replacement really for one-on-one -on -one and it's great to be able to have a just a, a sit down real experience with people and it's great for the service users as well I think they you know while, while, while we're all improvising and we're all kind of working with the circumstances that we find ourselves in I am looking forward to meeting people again and to, to, to be able to demonstrate and to show people what I mean when I 
uh, for some people, it might be very difficult, for example, to just grasp the whole concept of using an iPhone or an iPad or a smartphone to flick right. I mean, what does that exactly mean? And you have to show people, yeah. you know, one on one. So looking forward to all yeah. of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very different. But we're um, obviously just at, at the start of this anyway. We, we just want to maybe get to know a, li a little bit more about yourself, Brian. So where are you based, Brian? How long have you been with NCBI? Well, I'm based in Cork, so we cover the southwest region, Cork and Kerry. Mm. And um, we, I have been working with NCBI since 2001, mm -hmm. so I'm there 20 years now. So it's almost my 20 year anniversary this year. Oh, yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah to be honest with you, it, it doesn't seem like 20 years. I mean, yeah. this day I'm nearly one of the old fogies. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I'm too young and beautiful to be one of the oldies, but. <laughs> There Do you know what? Up. I didn't have that in my notes anywhere, Brian. Yeah, that I'm too young and beautiful. You <laughs> should have. That should have been the head. Young and beautiful wasn't mentioned anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me something. That's the modern world now for you too. Do you see everything is beautiful? So I managed to find <laughs> get in under that category. <laughs> it, that's such an amazing outlook to have, Brian. <laughs> Tell me something before 2001, before you joined NCBI. What what? Was uh, what were you up to? Any kind of any background info that's not um, not government secrets? Um, well, I can tell you this. You'll probably have to kill you after this interview because this is. Oh, I started was I mean I started back in. Um, I suppose my background would be in UCC back in the late eighties. I was a child prodigy. I was only seven when I went to UCC. I was like Mozart, really. They wanted me in the music department instead of the, the arts department. But I started in UCC in 1988, and um, I was there right at the very inception of the whole disability support services down there. And um, I went from there. I did arts, and um, after my primary degree, I did computer science as the the, the HDIP, which is kind of like the the, the computer science um, degree piled into a year. So it was a very intensive year. I did that back in the early 90s and from there I, I went on to do a master's in modern Irish history but that's still a work in progress 30 years down the road um, and from there then I, I went into youth services I worked as an assistive youth, work, youth officer on the north side here in Cork for yeah. three years over three years and uh, when I started when I did my computer science degree uh, well diploma I hired the HDEP that was largely based on the whole DOS uh, thing at the time I mean Windows wasn't even heard of back in back in the very early 90s, 91, I think I started the HDEP. Uh, so when I finished as in the youth work, I, I went back and I retrained in the in the whole Windows revolution. I did a FOSS course to here in Cork in 98, I think. And I learned my one of my best buddies, one of the best buddies I've ever had was a, a great friend of all, a lot of ours, friend, a friend called Jaws. So I learned Jaws back in 98, I think, in FOSS and I learned Windows. And from there, I, I started to work with the CIT, the Cork Institute of Technology. I did work there for a good while as a research worker, yeah. and from there, I um, from there I pretty much started then with NCBI, as I said, back in two thousand and one, uh, and I've been labouring away there ever since. So, despite Colin Kenny, I'm still enjoying it. So, yeah. Despite Colin Kenny, wow. Yes. My goodness, a Colin Kenny survivor. Colin it's, Kenny uh, survivor. Colin yeah. survivor you all have show. traumas in your lives, last work with Colin Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get him back on for the rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So tell us, um, Brian, obviously you've got quite a, a 
a background there as well, even just in kind of learning the jaws before coming to NCBI and all those sort of things. What what has your role entailed since you've been with NCBI? Well, I, I suppose, Jude, if you if you think of it, it's been a very it's it's, it's been a very fluid role because when I started with NCBI, I mean, the I started as a technology trainer and as a technology support worker. And then I suppose the tool set that we would have had at the time would have compared to what we have now would have been quite limited. Yeah. Because then I mean, I suppose JAWS, screen readers, new text as a magnifier, curse file as a text reader, they were the, the, the basic tools that we had. And we worked with, I mean, for the most part, it was desktop computers initially. Then it would have kind of evolved onto we, we would have started working with laptops, we would have been distributing laptops and things like that. I mean, no, I, I, the, 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 you know, no, the suite of technologies that we've available to us are huge and expansive. And so therefore, the the, the, the role that I have now has evolved so much from the, the early 2000s. And I mean, um, then, I mean, like we were training people in JAWS screen, with screen readers and magnifiers. We we're doing a lot of troubleshooting on the, the computers and, and the, the different laptops. So yeah. my role would have been as much technical support as it would have been training. Whereas now, I suppose, because you know of the whole, the, the, the whole of evolution of, of, of assistive technology and of technology in general, I'm doing an awful lot of work now. I find on you know the smartphones, tablets, yeah, and yeah. obviously we're still working with, with with the screen readers and with the magnifiers. Whereas before, I mean, like you know, your laptop. I learned. I was doing as much technology support as I say at the time because we had the laptop. We might have had a screen reader or a magnifier or even a text reader on the on the, on the, the laptop and those laptops were they were fairly finicky at the time and i mean the 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 the, 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 the um the specs on the laptops weren't that good so if you were running kind of screen readers on them like for example jaws jaws would have been seen to be a power hungry yeah. application to be working off of the laptop so therefore there was an awful lot of technology of troubleshooting whereas mm. now i mean the laptops are such a high spec and you know jaws is almost you know and jaws is sitting very nicely and discrete the other magnification programs are sitting quite nicely on the laptops that there's not huge amounts of technical support not definitely not the amount that i used to have to do way back in the early like like back then i was a fairly handy even though again colin would probably deny this i'd have been a fairly handy technical support worker whereas now because i see less need around technology support and no because I mean so much of the work we do is around the smartphone and the you know the, the iPads for example and yeah. the iPhones they're very solid they're fairly solid machines and I mean if if, if we can't fix it we'll know in five minutes whether we can fix it or not so whereas before again as I say it might have been 50 50 technology support yeah, percent yeah. training no it's kind of Pretty much a lot of it, most of it knows almost training and with a bit of technology support and a bit of, a bit of trouble, troubleshooting thrown into the whole equation, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say through through the time that you've been with NCBI, like you say, you're coming up to 20 years, you, you must have seen like quite a number of situations where where the technology really has had uh, almost like a life changing um, impact on, on somebody. Definitely, most definitely. And I mean, I, I, I constantly is one of my mantras actually that if you're a fully sighted person technology is very very useful 
If you're a person with sight loss, then you need technology. Technology is the door to open so much, so so much of, of, of your independence or re regaining a lot of your independence. And even for things like mobility, now technology is becoming more and more influential and more and more important. So if you've sight loss, technology is almost a must, really, you know. Yeah. yeah. And um, and being a, a blind person myself, I mean. Like I, I do have some sights still. I still have light perception, so I, you know I can basically see if a light, if there's a light in a room. That's about it, really anymore. Um, no. Um, so therefore, I can at a personal level appreciate the, 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 the you know, the importance of technology for vision impaired or blind people. And um, again, as I say, I mean it's the whole, it's the whole suite of technology that has changed so much. Um, over the past 20 years. I mean, like again, if I could just bring you back to my yeah. initial days in UCC, way back in 1988, we had a, we were working at the time with a prototype screen reader called HAL. Some of the older lads will, will remember HAL, which was very, very basic, compared, particularly in comparison to what a, a um, screen reader can do now. And we had pretty much no you know, text reading facilities or OCRs or anything like that. At that stage, we were still, we were still working with kind of reading uh, libraries in school, you know, people like a reading pool in the library we had in UCC at the time. And I had my own family and f network of friends that were doing reading for us. And that's basically how, how we kind of, how we functioned back in UCC in the late 80s. Yeah. Whereas now, fortunately, I, I'm blessed in that I still have a role within UCC in that. I mean, if it, I, I would still be in and out of UCC by pre-COVID anyway, but I would still be, be there a lot. So I would see some of the students with a vision impairment that would be coming into UCC and I see the technologies that they have available to them now. And, yeah, yeah. Oh my good God, it, like, it, it's a revolution. It, like I, I, I've been known to use the whole the whole, um, the whole, whole concept of, of, of liberation technology because it is liberational for vision impaired and blind people, what technology can do for you. And like the amount of doors that it has opened technology for blind people, be it in the area of independent living, be it in the area of quality of life, more importantly for young people or as importantly for young people in the whole opening the whole area of education. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We have had so many vision impaired or blind graduates through UCC. And right across, you know, a whole panacea of, of disciplines, be it arts, computer science, law, even the, the, the actual sciences themselves, you know, the social yeah. sciences. And a, a lot of that, most of it in actual fact, perhaps has been made possible through technology. And again, through the, the workplace, maybe we haven't made the inroads into the into the workplace that we we would ask yeah. that we would hope that we will be making very shortly. But again, technology has opened a lot of work doors for, for vision impaired and blind people. And I think we'll continue to do so. And I, I, I think that's the next way forward. I mean, we've made the transition from, you know, integrated or mainstream education. Now we really need to go further and take the whole area of employment forward yeah. for blind and vision impaired people. And that will definitely only take place, you know, with the support of the different technologies that are out there. And what I mean by that is, I mean, I mean, blind people don't necessarily have to go into the area of technology for work, but you will invariably need to use technology in any area that a blind person is going to be working in. Yeah. So I suppose that's 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 the way forward for for blind yeah. people and for and that's the important that's the seminal importance of yeah. technology for blind or vision impaired people. And it's absolutely such an interesting time um, for for all that development. I mean, you you mentioned there just the amount of changes in this kind of, as you say, kind of liberation technology just in the last 20 years, which in the grand scheme of things, 
is actually a very short space of time for us to be well along that road now, but still to have a good way to go is is quite an interesting time to be to be in, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean like there's never a good time to be blind, but I suppose if yeah, there ever yeah. was, I mean maybe this is the best time, you know? Yeah, yeah. And as yeah. well, I mean I, I think there's a, an increase in the awareness as well of, you know, the the um of how functional blind people can be and you know and the, the potential for blind people. I mean yeah. and you know the actual impact that we can make on any work environment and in any educational environment and in any social setting as well. So, you know, between, you know, the, the, you know, the enhanced mobility that's out there to our guide dogs and to our canes and to the actual training for, for, for you know, those mobility skills. And again, you know, if you were to include or marry the whole area of, of, of mobility technology with the, the primary, you know, mobility skill like your guide dog or your, your cane, you can get so much, you know, enhanced support now using the different, you know, apps and things like that. Yeah. Like at yeah. the moment, no, we're looking at Soundscape, which is a very, very good app. And yeah, yeah. So yeah, technology, I mean, technology is, is, is fantastic for blind people in general. And it's yeah. great too that NCBI are, you know, at, at the center of, of providing the training and then they're providing the technologies for vision impaired people in the country. I mean, you know, yeah. not just to train yeah. people in the, in the technologies, but as far as we can, we collaborate with, you know, like the different schools and colleges and yeah. Yeah. The government departments to make sure that where people need the technology they get it and again i mean where we can even at an individual level even just working at home or whatever we try as part of our role as well where we can to try and ensure that people can get access to the technology because i mean you know it's the one thing i always hated doing was dangling the carrot of technology yeah. to someone and then saying but unfortunately the costs yeah. base of it is so prohibitive that you probably can't get it Whereas, yeah. I mean, we are, we do see it as our role insofar as we can to try and, you know, support the person in getting the technology as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of NCBI's role in all of that and the training that's been going on and, and things like that, last time or, or um, last year when you were talking to us about a couple of the projects that were going on, um, the virtual tech clubs and the, the Braille group, uh, how are those projects going at the moment, Brian? They're going quite well. Again, I mean, it's 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 just um, a manifestation of the way that NCBI adapted the whole COVID um, crisis. Was that we we um, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the supports that we provided went online, and an example of that was where we created this network of um, of technology clubs in the various regions, and they're going really well. I mean, we have we we have the technology club in all of the regions now. Um, and we meet at least once a week and there's a great kind of peer support kind of vibe or dynamic on there as well in that i mean like we just take the example of the car carry technology club i would see myself maybe as the facilitator of it i'm the person yeah. that's kind of organizes the meetings make sure like that the meetings are that, that the meetings take place but after that i mean you know the, the structure of the meeting and the um the content of the meeting is very much done to um, the involvement of the, the of the, the participants in the technology club or the club members, and so therefore, I mean, like I, I again, I facilitate. If someone is if, if if obviously we have a discussion on the different technologies that are out there, and then I encourage people at all times to, to kind of make presentations every week. So, like last week, we had a presentation on the Finder app, which is a brand new app out at the moment, and it's very very good for blind or vision impaired people. We had another person who worked to work and uh, needs need a greater influence and uh, greater knowledge on the WebEx 
um, platform for for communication platform. So again, we went away and we had a discussion on that. So basically, the the, yeah. the, the club members decide what we're going to discuss. The club members present themselves, which is good for everyone. So there's a huge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and again, I, I think that all of the clubs are really operating on that basis. And again, one of the other clubs now, for example, they have a segment where they're bringing in people to discuss or people to, to share their experiences yeah. uh, from outside the club, which again is a, is a very, very good development. And they're really going well. From what I can gather, they're like, <laughs> we, we, we're, we're expanding um, beyond yeah. maybe what we're... Yeah. What we're what we're capable of doing at the moment per group. So it might just be that like we, we might be looking at maybe even setting up second second clubs in the different regions. Or again, we're taking advantage of the fact that they are virtual. So therefore, I mean, just because yeah. you're just because the Cork Kerry Club has a focus in Cork and Kerry, you don't have to be from Cork and Kerry to join us because it's virtual. So if you have a friend yeah. in the Cork and Kerry Club, you can get on to us and we'll have no problem with including you. Same with yeah, the club or the Dublin Club. Brilliant. And how about the Braille group? How's that going? Again, the Braille is, 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 is going well. I mean, again, I suppose we would have seen it like LCBI are the, 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 the national support service for people with sight loss. So therefore, we would have had to have a Braille element to any of the sports that we do. And we, we, we obviously always have had that support and we've always had that focus, particularly, you know, I mean, if you look at the um, if you look at the, uh, the Braille services being provided by the library, but again, Braille is um, the whole, Braille is, has to, the way Braille is developing at the moment. There's a huge digital digital focus to it, and um, so therefore, I mean, like within NCBI Labs, we would have seen it as our responsibility to provide the supports for anyone that is using digital Braille, or using you know like the, the Braille um, Braille displays, the digital Braille note takers. You're speaking in, in a while now to, to someone. Who's developing the, the the dot watch, which is again an example of of braille technology, and um, so we've we've put this focus group together. We've been looking at the different um, different elements or the different aspects of digital braille that are out there. We've we focused in on a number of different different areas. So, for example, while digital braille is hugely significant to, to blind people in general and to braille users in general. I would argue that it has a specific focus for people with dual sensory loss, people who are deaf blind. So therefore, earlier on, or well, later last year, we, we took on the role of, we, we took on the task of exploring the whole area of how we could ensure that, for example, subtitles in some of the media platforms like Netflix or even YouTube, how we could make those available, or how we could ensure that our service users could gain access to subtitles, particularly deaf blind people, on things like Netflix, on YouTube, on TED Talks. So we kind of did a bit of research and we, we, we put together some uh, work documents that we have available not to anyone that would be interested in. So if you're a deafblind person or if you're just a, a Braille user that would like to gain access to subtitles, for example, on Netflix, then if you contact us, we can give you the documents, the step-by-step -step kind of approach that you would need to take to be able to, to get access to those documents. And again, that's through the Braille focus. Another yeah. one of the projects or the initiatives that we're looking at at the moment would be, again, Braille is usually significant for people in education. And yeah. a lot of the, 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 the Braille users are young people, you know, in mainstream education now, or, you know, in, mainly in mainstream education now, as I say, who are using Braille that need to be, that need to be supported, you know. Um, yeah. And so what we're doing is like one of the things that we are, 
organizing at the moment or looking at organizing at the moment would be some kind of a program where we would kind of support the parents yeah. of yeah. the braille of young braille users in education as well as the actual braille users themselves so we're looking at setting up a few um a few um evenings though maybe in the spring where you know the, the parents and the, 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 the actual students themselves can join us in some of these evenings and we look at the different yeah. braille note takers and the, you know, the different uh, braille digital braille formats and try and kind of organize the training and the supports that, that people need so again it's it's very much a work in progress yeah. and i think that the ultimate objective of the braille focus group is so that people who are out there who are braille users you have a go to guy you have a go to cardinal i mean if you need support come to us we don't have all of the answers but you know we will endeavor to get the answers and we will where possible support you and I think that that's very important that we can provide that outlet as the national support agency for people with sight loss. Yeah brilliant well we'll have to maybe catch up with you another time as well in, in terms of some of those additional things that are happening maybe get an update on those but it's certainly been really good to to chat to you Brian and obviously stay on if you can we've got the dot watch coming on a little bit later um, but thanks for for joining us for meet the team section this uh, this afternoon as well. It was a pleasure and it was wonderful as well when I heard that Breed was actually coming on. Breda, <laughs> I mean, I think myself and Breda have a future maybe. We could probably like the Richard and Julie Breda. show for, for blind people maybe. So My we'll, uh, we'll see how that develops anyway. You might have needed no introduction, but you've given Breda some introduction there. That's that's <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite a, a, a thing to be walking into. Well, that was Brian Manning, Manning talking to us uh, and uh, in his own words, young, beautiful and Mozart-esque. Well, uh, they're quite... Uh, uh, but I'm basing those comments, I'm basing those judgments on the fact that most of the audience can't see me, you see. <laughs> I have a face for radio as they say around here. <laughs> so you really got the full experience of Meet the Team here. Very good. Well, Hopefully Brian is, is going to stay with us uh, on the show for, for the next few segments as well. But next up, we're going to be talking about the NCBI shop. And as uh, Brian has already introduced, we have uh, Breda Dowling with us from the NCBI shop. You're very welcome, Breda. Thanks, Jude. How are you? Great. Yeah, good to have you on the show with us. Yeah, great. You can hear me and everything, can you? Yeah, absolutely. No, no problems oh, there. Oh, brilliant. Good. Very good. So maybe just to start with Breda, can you tell us a little bit about some of the, the different types of products that are sold in the NCBI shop? Yeah, sure. Um, I suppose the main products like are the talking watches, talking clocks, some of the daily living equipment like liquid level indicators, um, the bump-ons, selection. We've put selection of um, phones, house phones, cordless house phones and mobile phones. Yeah. Um, for people who need extra lighting and reading devices, we would have um, lamps, uh, table lamps with magnifying lights in them, yeah. Um, yeah. LED lights, natural daylight coming from them. Um, we would have our calendars and diaries, large print and also braille. And, and then, as usual, all the mobility canes. So, it's actually interesting just when you mention some of those things because you can kind of forget that some of these kind of uh, this kind of technology is 
is out there like even from a technology point of view you don't think of some of them as high-tech stuff like a liquid yeah. level indicator is is a small device does a simple thing but it's actually crucial sometimes to people it's some it's a really valuable piece of technology as well yeah definitely and it's very popular it's one it would be one of our most popular items so for what it does you know it it just means people can be independent in maybe you know making a cup of tea for themselves because yeah. Yeah. by inserting the little device into the cup it just gives a bleep when the cup reaches a, a certain level so it just means people are aware then that they can stop you know pouring liquid into the cup so yeah no it's a great little device yeah for what yeah and even yeah, and even the various types of lighting and things like that, they're, they're all really, really useful. Are those products, are they kind of available just online or can they be purchased in, this, in store as well? Um, yeah, no, they can purchase them online. They're all up on our website and also they can come into our Kikenny office, which that's where I'm based. And also yeah. um, they're available through the Whitworth Road office in Dublin. So people can you know go into Debbie in our Dublin office and purchase them purchase them from there okay so yeah yeah very good yeah so easy easy to get a hold of um or order if, actually, if they do they can you know they can order through myself if they just yeah. ring up and be put through to me I can take an order over the phone and we can take you know take their order and send it out through the post so everything we Brilliant. we have yeah. is, is usually sent through the postal service yeah, and there's no charge, Brilliant. extra charge for postage or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, very good. So there's a variety of ways you can get your hand on hands on some of these things. Exactly. So just yeah, from, exactly. from your experience, what what would be some of the more popular types of products that would be purchased by people with low vision? Yeah, I suppose a lot of people go for the talking watches. Um, literally, they come like in a ladies version or a gents version, and both have leather straps or expandable bracelet straps so they're very easy to use by just pressing yeah. a button on the side and you, you it'll tell you the time and the date um, yeah. another another item is the talking keychain so we've two different types we've one which actually tells you the date and the time and it's like yeah. it's, it's the size of a, a keyring maybe so it's very handy yeah. for people to keep in their pocket or put under their pillow at night time and literally it's there for them when they want to know the time. So it's a basic item, but it works yeah. really well. Um, yeah. We've a couple, of, and I suppose the clocks then are another item. A lot of people will go for talking clocks. So we've a couple of different yeah, types yeah. of them as well. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting actually just, yeah, just after this, we're going to be talking about the dot watch as well. So that'll be kind of interesting in the context of that. Just um, thinking yeah. about some of the mobile phones that would be available. Can you tell us anything about some of the different types of mobile phones? Well, at the moment, we stock the Doro 780, which is a very easy to use phone for people who maybe have never used a phone before. Um, it yeah. literally lets you dial and store four numbers and that's it. That's all you can have stored on the phone. So for someone maybe with onset dementia, maybe an older person who mightn't be used to a mobile phone, it's 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 a really easy one to use by yeah, just pressing yeah. like it is a, a B C um three sorry, three numbers. It used to have four, but it's actually down to three now. But it just yeah. makes it easier for people. Um, the other one then is a yeah. Doro 
2.0, which is a big button, easy to use mobile phone. Um, it's a flip version and that's very easy as well for people. They find it, the contrast is good, the numbers are nice and big and yeah. the screen size is bigger as well. So it makes it easier for them to see the screen maybe and see their, their, their messages coming yeah, up on the screen or their contact numbers or whatever. Very good. Yeah, brilliant. And is there any new phones that we can expect to hear about in the near future? Yeah, these ones that you can tell us about. Literally, I <laughs> yeah, one just landed on my desk this morning. It's a new Emporia Talk Active um, mobile phone. It's a new one that Emporia have brought out, and mm. it is, has a speech on it. So literally, it'll speak your text messages, your contacts, and. So I'm actually sending it down to Brian in the Cork office to test it out for me and give me his seal of approval. So that's his <laughs> <laughs> job for the week. <laughs> so it looks really well and the quality... Just get down to the juice. She's just looking for an excuse to phone me. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, so hopefully sweet, we'll have that in stock can, in the next couple uh, of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you can get your own back now. On, on Brian yeah, after exactly. the introduction. Yeah. Very good. Um, one thing very good. Myself so, and Brian, Jude. We share the same birthday. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow. <laughs> she looks. She looks far better on it than I do, though, Jude. I let, I let you know. <laughs> this this whole conversation is just taking such an unexpected turn. <laughs> I just wasn't ready for this. Tell me something before we <laughs> before we go completely down the wrong route altogether. Can you give us just maybe a, a web address, Brida, um, for the for the shop if anybody wants to just yeah, browse so through some of the things that are available? Yeah, so the web address is ncbi.ie. And if some if people want to contact us by phone, they can ring the info line, which is I, I know people probably know this, 1850-33-43-53, or they can email the shop at shop at ncbi.ie. So, and Brilliant. if anybody has any, if they can't find what they're looking for, Jude, on the website, they can always contact me. Yeah. You know, if there's a product that they're looking for and they don't see it on our own website, it's possible that it might be available through RNIB. So I yeah. can always, you know, order directly from RNIB for for the service user because RNIB yeah. don't take orders from individuals, but we can support them by doing it, or you know, for them and helping them out that way. So if there is anything that people want, yeah, just make Perfect. contact yeah. and I can advise them. Very good. And is the best way to make contact with you directly? Is it to go through the uh, info line and and then be put onto yes, you? Yes, it is. Yeah, that's probably the best Great. way. Brilliant. Well, really appreciate you joining the show today, Brida. Appreciate hearing about Thank all you. of the things that are available at the NCBI shop. Really good to chat to you again as well. Yeah. Okay. Great to have you on the show. Cheers, Brida. Very Take good. Care. So that's Brida Dowling from the NCBI shop, and uh, certainly there's a wide variety of different products that are available there. Good to have the opportunity to mention some of the excellent equipment that really is of, of everyday use as well. Now we're going to move straight into our next item because we want to talk about a really excellent piece of equipment called the Dot Watch. And with us to talk about that all the way from Seoul, we have Aram Choi of the Dot Incorporation. You're very welcome to the show, Aram. 
Hello. I think Thank there might be a, a little bit of a delay on the line from from what we were expecting earlier as well. So uh, we'll just uh, we'll work with the de slight delay on the on the line. But tell us, Aram, can you describe what mm -hmm. the dot watch is and who it's designed for? Well, as the uh, word first, tactile braille smartwatch. That watch is a connected device that is completely practical and easy to use. So, um, for example, when traveling from one place to another, one hand will most likely to uh, be occupied with a guide dog or a cane. We have recently received a specific feedback about this. So I like the notification in general so that I do not need to look at my phone all the time. I also like yeah. that you can set them independent of the phone so that I can leave my phone on do not disturb and the watch can still allow me to notifications. So just like that, we strive to provide user-friendly functions that foster independence. This is the core value of the dot watch, I think. Brilliant. Very good. So could you give us a little bit of a, a description of the watch itself? So a physical mm -hmm. description of, of how the watch would look or feel? Sure. Um, there are four cells on the dot watch screen. Each cell represents one character. Therefore, up to four characters can be displayed at a time. Below the cell are left and right touch sensor. And the crown is located on the right of the center of the body, it colored red. The select button is located above that crown and the home button is located below that crown. So if the dot watch is turned off, the cell remains kept inside the screen. To turn on, press the whole home button for three seconds. And after turn on, you can do so by pressing and holding the home button, Vibration will occur and all the cells are raised and dropped to notify. Then you can use the dot watch starting from there. Okay, very good. So tell us a little bit then, that, that's kind of a, a nice description of the watch itself. Can you tell us a little bit about the features that are available on the dot watch? Are they quite similar to, to other smartwatches that are out there? Yes. Um, so in terms of um, that watch's function, there are, I think, three things that we can not do with a dot watch. First, that watch doesn't support sound. And the second one is doesn't support sending message. It only receives um, it by vibrations. And the yeah. last one is that watch does not support health or fitness functions like the Apple Watch. But other okay. function is same as the smartwatch, checking time, uh, date, seconds, and notifications, timer, stopwatch, and after um, it connected your smartphone by Bluetooth, you can receive all the notification on your smartphone. Brilliant, yeah, very good. So it's uh, still feeding you back an awful lot of information there. How about setting up the watch? It, does it require somebody with sight to be able to set up the watch or is it easy to, to set up if, if you've got vision loss? Oh, well, it's um, not necessary. Um, 
as we can listen all the content by like voiceover or talkback functions, none of our smartphone accessibility functions. We don't need a further assistance, but for children, okay. it may need at some point. Okay, yeah, yeah, very right. good. Um, mm -hmm. So easy enough to set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, turn on, as I mentioned, and then turn um, Bluetooth function on your smartphone, then it connected automatically and then you can use easily. Brilliant. Yeah, very easy. Yeah, very good. So what about charging the watch? How long would it take to, to charge the dot watch and kind of how much battery life would you expect to get out of it? Um, well, it's uh, quite um, difficult because um, it depends on users is using time, but usually that watch lasts up to five days based on average um, usage cases. Um, we can say around two hours, then it's fully charged and then you can use three to five days or more. Three to five days. OK, very good. Mm -hmm. Very good. Mm -hmm. OK, so good, good long charge. And if because um, you mentioned before that it kind of works along with your smartphone so you can get notifications on your smartphone screen, you connect it with the Bluetooth on your smartphone. If someone doesn't have a smartphone, are they still able to use the dot watch? Yes, of course. Um, we call it standalone function so they can check the date and exact time and some stopwatch timer and customizable alarm functions. However, when connected to a mobile device, the value of the refreshable braille display becomes so much more like, as I said, receiving emails, message, URLs, Facebook message, URLs, WhatsApp, notification, etc. Very good. Yeah, OK, so it's still easy enough to to use that way, OK. And um, mm -hmm. tell me something with the, the dot watch that there is at the moment. When, when did dot watch come out originally? Um, is there big differences from the version that's there now and the version that came out originally? Well, first we launched 2017 Christmas and then right after that we have a moment to um, to update on firmware and then we launched dot watch 2 so you need to um, find dot watch 2 on iOS store or Google Play Store. The appearance of the dot watch was the same however the function is some um, way more stabilized uh, in terms of stabilized um, it's um, if you connect your smartphone to dot watch you you can fill it. I don't know how to, you could compare it, but uh, if you have a chance, then it's um, stabilization is the uh, key features in the dot watch yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, the the uh, dot watch that's out at the moment has that kind of led to to other technologies that and other products as well. Was the is the dot walk watch the the main product that you would that you would sell for um, vision impaired people? Yes, yes, I can say that watch gives you a private moment without any sound like people around you don't need to notice that you can check the time. Not only read quietly in a public place, but also like read the exact time without a smartphone. So this is yeah. the um, 
case functions. Okay. Okay. And also, Thanks. also I can add one more thing. Then, if you yeah. know, like a ten digit, you can read the time again. Um, so, uh, the people, not only like people who are familiar with the Braille, but also people don't know about the Braille and uh, want to learn Braille. That watch uh, will help them to help them learn Braille. Brilliant. Very good. We have a. Yeah. We have a seasoned Braille user on, on the line as well. We've got Brian Manning who was talking to us earlier about some of the Braille groups that uh, yeah. NCBI is running around the country. So I'm sure he's he's listening with great uh, attention there to, to uh, the information about the dot watch. Um, t tell mm -hmm. us wh where can the dot watch be purchased? Um, uh, right now you can purchase at our website. So, um, can I tell you my website address? Yeah. Yeah. www.incorp.com. D O T I N C O R P.com. Then you can find shop, click it, and then you can uh, purchase the watch, um, either paper or credit card. Very good. Okay. So that's a, a, a great uh, piece of equipment there that's really useful to for people to know about as well. Uh, certainly a very versatile way to use Braille as well. So uh, really appreciate you coming on to tell us about that, Aram. Thank you for joining us. Mm -hmm. And I know it's late there in Seoul, so thank you for um, yeah. being available at such a, a difficult time as well. <laughs> no, it's a midnight, but uh, I'm very, very um, thankful for um, having me. So pleased to have this moment with you. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you again. And uh, of course, for anybody who wants to listen back to the interview there this, uh, that we've done on the dot watch with Aram, uh, you can listen back on YouTube or on any of the major podcast platforms as well. So that was Aram Choi uh, talking about the dot watch. Very good. So yes. um, we're coming thank towards the, so the end of the show now. And uh, we still have our regular features as well to go. So we're going to go straight to JP, and uh, he's going to talk us through this week's quick tips. Great. Thanks so much, Jude. Um, that was an interesting conversation with uh, our own there about the dot watch for sure. Um, yeah, so for a quick tip uh, this week, we thought we'd cover how to pause and resume voiceover speech on an iPhone, and also how to silence talkback speech on an Android phone. And so what we can think, think of certain occasions where this might come in useful. So for example, if we're navigating an app, uh, or maybe navigating a website with a, with a screen reader. Maybe the screen reader has told us a certain item or a link that focuses on, but we might not necessarily need the rest of the information that follows. So what we can do to pause voiceover speech on an iPhone is to tap the screen with two fingers. And then to resume speech, what we can do is tap the screen again with two fingers, Sim simple as that. Um, slightly different for uh, talkback users uh, who are using an Android. Um, so. In this case, to silence talkback, what you need to do is simply tap the screen with just one finger. So it's a one finger tap of the screen. And what's more, on some Android phones, it's actually possible to silence talkback by covering the what's called the proximity sensor. And this is located at the very top of the phone. And you can cover that with your with your hand or with your fingers, and then voiceover will stop. That can work on, on several phones as well. If it doesn't work, then you can just revert back to the one finger uh, single tap on the screen to silence a talkback, which which I just mentioned. So that's a very that's kind of a really quick handy summary. one. Yeah, 
It yeah, is. that's a really it's handy safe. one to just be able to cover the proximity sensor. Yeah, sensor. That's exactly. Really yeah, useful. it works on my own phone now, uh, so it, it does work very well. So it's a quick summary of how we can pause and resume voice over speech on an iPhone yeah. and how we can silence talkback speech on Android phone. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Now, I believe there was um, there was one, you, you've mentioned this one actually in your technology newsletter, I, I think just in, in relation to um, Alexa enabling follow-up mode. That's, That's a, right. a, a yeah, feature. it's a nice feature. I, I, I've actually enabled it on my own Echo last week, Jude, and I'm enjoying using it. So I think some of our, some of our listeners who use an Echo device will be interested in this feature if they haven't yeah. if not used it already. It's called a follow-up mode on Alexa. And so it's a handy feature. It can be used on any uh, Amazon Echo device, and it works by letting Alexa continue to listen uh, up to five seconds to your to your initial question or command. So what it means is that you don't have to keep saying Alexa all over again to ask a follow up question right. or issue a command. So I'll give you an example. You could ask, for example, Alexa, like what's what's the weather? And once she gives you your weather report, you can then immediately ask her what's the weather tomorrow. So there's no need to say Alexa again. Now to set it up, uh, this. Yeah, set up as uh, three steps, and they are listed in our, in our technology technology newsletter. Anyone wants to go back to la last Friday when they got the newsletter? Um, just briefly, what you do is open up the Alexa app on your uh, on your iPhone or your Android phone or your iPad and tablet, and then you select Echo and Alexa. The Echo and Alexa button that's located in the top left corner of the app. You scroll down, then scroll down to the follow up mode um, uh, option in the menu, and you select that. And here there is a little toggle to where, you, where you can switch follow-up mode on or off. It is off by default, so you need to switch it on. That's it really. Uh, so once set up, like you say, you'll be able to give more than one command to Alexa, uh, only using the wake word once. Um, I enabled this feature, I say, last week on my own Echo, and I find it really helpful, especially when it comes to control, especially when it comes rather to controlling various kind of smart home devices, so like smart lights and smart plugs that I'd have. So, for example, I could say something like Alexa, turn off my living room lights and then follow it up with turn off my TV. Um, so very handy in that regard. Um, one final thing to say is that once the feature is enabled in the Alexa app, you can simply say Alexa, turn on or off a follow up mode and then it'll toggle this feature on and off. So it doesn't necessarily have to be on all the time. Excellent. Yeah, so that that makes it just that bit easier as well. If yeah. somebody if somebody likes using that, um, sometimes yeah. it doesn't want it always to be on. It's exactly. a lot easier once it's set up in yeah. the first place. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Very good. Brilliant. Well, they're really handy uh, quick tips for this week. Thank you very much for that, JP. No now we're moving on to uh, this week's um, tech help. Now Daniel is going to help us with this week's tech help and uh, one of the questions that a lot of people ask is what to do about a computer that's very slow to start up now is there actually any easy solution to that Daniel? Yeah uh, Joe that's that's a very good question and um, I've known, known several people who have had a slow computer and felt like asking it to pick a window telling it, it was leaving so um, <laughs> it, it can be a multitude of of things that can go wrong. Um, it can be down to you know some software problems, or it can be even a hardware um, issues such as uh, hard drives. You know, just getting a bit old and worn, and probably needs replacing and upgrading. It's there's so many different things that can be uh, attributed to a computer slowly starting up. So there's no kind of one answer fits all. Um, you know, I've 
seen some people that have had to replace their hard drives and go with the new solid state drives and they really improved uh, the speed and performance especially of windows 10. um yeah. other people maybe they've had two or three antivirus programs um installed you know particularly free antivirus programs you know the the time to kind of nearly get installed on by accident next thing you have three antivirus programs going without really realizing it and uninstalling some you know if there's duplicate antivirus software then maybe uninstalling some of that uh also when programs and apps get installed they often put in a little thing into windows called load in the background it's kind of it's it's a, a little bit of cheating by some software developers to put um to put what's known as a tray um in at the back of windows so when you go to access that program it comes up really quick and it says oh gosh isn't this a great real quick uh, piece of software but what you've what mm-hmm. actually done is front loaded an awful lot of the loading of that software to to be part of your windows now right the real techie people can go into their their task manager and get into the startup options and have a look through this little list there of uh, what we call startup um startup uh, it's just a tab in its own and yeah. in windows is actually the windows 10 is quite good it'll give a startup impact so it kind of advises the service this you know the this the user of whether something is kind of a high demand on, on the on the loading time of windows now yeah. be careful in there because windows the the startup won't differentiate what's kind of a vital service maybe something to do with your graphics card something to do with your wi-fi so you don't want to go disabling anything you're unsure of but you know something like spotify is is often loaded with um windows you mightn't always use spotify every time you turn on your laptop so perhaps disable the startup or spotify you know uh, yeah. you know yourself if there's software there that you say oh i know you know skype i rarely use that why do i want that loading with my windows yeah yeah so you can just disable you want to be fairly careful with that do you you would you would indeed um you know it's not a, a, if if you're sure of what you're doing by all by all yeah. means go there but as i always say you know if you have kind of a doubt there you know my computer loading slowly is is it down to some software that i don't really use can it be disabled you know do get in contact with your local ncbi trainer and, and support person you know we're here to yeah. help we can we can try our best to you know i know in these in these times we're doing an awful lot of remote support with people um, we can maybe have a look at the at the computer from a remote, um, you know, from from remote yeah. and see what's going on there. What's what's slowing things down, and yeah. you know, as I said, just lots of things I've covered there, and just lots more that could be wrong too. So they're just kind yeah. of the more popular ones that that do give issues. Well, that's really helpful just to talk through some of the kind of the. the possibly slightly easier kind of things that you can do to maybe speed up the, mm. the computer but as daniel says there um obviously contact ncvi if it's if it goes beyond the straightforward as well so thanks very much for that daniel appreciate that no problem guys thanks very good so just uh, a reminder of course as well that if you want a, a bit more of a hand with any of the subjects that we spoke about today you can get support from the labs team from 9 to 5, Monday to Friday on 1850 or you can email labs at ncbi.ie or if you want to avail of wider NCBI services, you can call 1850 334353 or email info at ncbi.ie. And if you'd like to make a donation to support our services, you can also visit donate.ncbi.ie.
Maybe you'd even like to sponsor one of our live events. Well, you can do that as well by contacting labs at ncbi.ie and that can help to keep our live events going as well. Now, just before we go, just a, a reminder of what we'll be talking about in future live events. We're going to be talking about the blind shell mobile phone. That's uh, one of the things we've flagged for a little while now, but we're, we're going to be talking about that in one of our upcoming uh, uh, live events. We're also going to be talking about the show and tell feature on the uh, Alexa. So we're going to be looking into how that works and how useful that can be. And of course, we're going to get a, an update on Soundscape as well in, uh, in the coming weeks. Just a reminder that our next show is next Tuesday, February 23rd at the usual time of 2.30 p.m. So we look forward to seeing you there. And of course, if, if you want to stay up to date with what's happening in our live events, as well as plenty more as well, you can subscribe to our newsletter on our website, or you can email us at labs at ncbi.ie if you'd like to do that. So all that's left for me to do today is to thank our panel and our, our uh, guests as well this week, Aram Choi, Breda Dowling and Brian Manning. And uh, of course, to everyone listening in as well. And from Daniel Dunn, from JP Corcoran, from myself, Jude Marr, we look forward to having you all back with us next week for another NCBI Labs live event. <laughs>